0: Great to see you. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Genesis 41, Genesis 41. Of course, we're continuing our study of the life of Joseph. And this evening, what we're going to see as we look on, our, on the screen up here, we're going to see... Um, That God raises Joseph up, or we could say God raises up Joseph either way. He is called from prison to the palace. Now, that's a big change. He's going from being a slave and a prisoner to being in the palace. He interprets Pharaoh's dreams and becomes second only to Pharaoh in the entire nation. Some people actually say, well, that, that, that didn't happen. I mean, it just couldn't happen. And and yet, this is exactly what the Word of God tells us happened. We've been seeing his circumstances in his life. He's thrown in a pit, he's sold into slavery, placed into prison, and now God uses him to interpret dreams and raises him to a position of power. It's just really amazing. God is working in the circumstances. Joseph, we might say it this way, Joseph is at the right place at the right time. Isn't that just... A lucky coincidence, and we know there's no such thing. The truth that God does the same thing for us. That's why He can say, "All things work together for good." Those that love God, those are called according to purpose. This evening, we see what we call from prison to the palace. Let's start with a prayer, and then we'll get into chapter 41. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great night! Thanks for our uh, Wednesday night uh, crew. Just the fun that we have as we come together and study the Bible. Thank you, Lord, for the great truths you've given us. Number one, Lord, thank you for the Bible, and it is Your Word. It is perfect. It is Your revelation thank you lord that we can know it and apply it and pass it on we thank you for our savior jesus and lord we never want to take for granted how that we owed you death we were going to be separated forever because we'd all sinned and come short of your glory and yet jesus christ came to the earth and died on the cross becoming our substitute taking our sin upon himself being the satisfactory payment not for our sins only but for the sins of the entire world and then he died and rose again and conquering death giving eternal life to all who believe thank you lord for your grace to us. Lord, we never want to take for granted grace. We never want to take for granted what you've done for us. And so, Lord, thank you for that. And then the privilege that we have as believers to serve you and to live for you and our lives would count for you. And so, Lord, we pray as we scatter in this community, we'll reach out with the love of Jesus Christ, the message of salvation, and we'd help people come to know Jesus and then bring them into this body and help them grow and train them and equip them and all those things, Lord. So thank you for that. Lord, we ask you tonight that as we look at chapter 41 and we see how you are working in Joseph's life And Lord we realize in the same way That you take our lives You love us You know us you, You're You working in our lives to, to do the things you want us to do Lord all, all we care about Is just that we would be faithful And that we would get to serve you That's what counts Lord So we just ask you to teach us now We ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I think, you know, when you when you turn on the TV sometimes, you see some of those touching scenes of, of children who are starving. Did you see the places, the countries that are either torn by war or some kind of natural disaster and famine and people are starving? And, and you read that and you see that and, and you know, it sort of breaks your heart. And you look at it and you go, boy, how do, how do people do it when, they're, when there's no food or anything? Well, you know, in America, we can't hardly comprehend famine. I mean... There, there may be some people in our country who who might be starving, but as a whole, even those listed in the poverty in the United States would be rich anywhere else. In fact, I read some statistics that said government level poverty is between thirteen and fifteen thousand a year. You know what's considered to poverty, and then when you get the government relief, sometimes people listed in poverty are making twenty something thousand dollars a year. Uh, that's a lot more than some places who make maybe a dollar a day in some parts of the world. Well. Famine is with, you know, no, no food, no water, without anything. This evening, as we look at this passage, we're going to see that God warns Egypt and says there's a famine coming. And you better be ready. And of course, God does that because He's going to save His nation of Israel. He's going to have Egypt ready to take care of His people when He takes them out of the land of Canaan. So there's a lot going. Tonight, we're going to see God raises up Joseph. We'll see just the first part of it. The chapter is a long chapter. In chapter 41, there's 57 verses. We're not going to get all that far tonight. We'll get about, we'll we'll go probably through about verse 36. That sounds like a lot. And if we just took a minute of verse, that would be flying, and that's 36 minutes. So we'll go through it as quickly as we possibly can. There's a lot there. Let me break down the passage for you just to show you the whole thing. We see Pharaoh's dream. That's in the first 24 verses. And then Joseph comes in to interpret the dreams. And then Joseph is selected and raised up. We won't see that tonight because we'll start at stop after verse 36. And then we'll see what I call the plenty and the famine, the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine. We'll see how all that ties together. We're going to see that God takes Joseph and not only blesses him, but uses him, and that's what's so amazing. Think about what's happened from Joseph's side. Uh, he's been thrown in a pit. He's been uh, sold into slavery. Now he's been thrown into prison, and he's forgotten. Because he told those the, the, the two king, the king's servants, and, and the dreams came through, and he said, listen, when your dream comes through, and you know, go tell Pharaoh to get me out of here. Well, he never heard another word. He'd say, this is, this is really the pit's. You know, in a lot of different ways. From God's side, what do we see? We see God preparing Joseph. To be at the right place at the right time it's just amazing uh you know you look back at your life and and you think what, you know how did that work out so great or you know it's amazing what God did there or it was good thing I went good thing I went there you know and things like that you know, God's will just think about it God will never leave us or forsake us what should we fear he's going to always bless us he has a plan to uh to, to for us to be at the right place at the right time. I just love it well think about this. Uh, from the time that Joseph had did those dreams, you know, had uh, interpreted the dreams for the servants of the Pharaoh, and then they left. Two years, two years, not two weeks, not two months. You'd think maybe a couple weeks, the guy he's going to get around to it, he's going to get around to it. You go two months, you, he's going to get around to it, he's going to get around to it. Well, after a couple of years, you go, I, they just forgot me. That's what happened. They forgot me. One good thing about it, God never forgets. He never forgets you. We can look at our life and we can think people forget us or people don't care about us or this goes wrong or this goes wrong, but God never forgets about us. Well, look at chapter 41. Look at verse 1 because we're going to see what I call Pharaoh having the dreams. Now, it happened at the end of two full years. Two full years of what? What's he talking about? Two full years since those guys got out of prison and one of them, of course, one of them died and the other got back to his position. He should have told Pharaoh what happened, but he didn't. It said in verse 23 of chapter 40, uh, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. I think that if we had to go through life depending on whether people remembered us or forgot us, we'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? But good thing God never forgets. He's right there. So look. So it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. And behold, he was standing by the Nile. Now what was going to happen? He's going to give us the dream. He's going to tell us what happened. And lo, from the Nile there came up seven cows, sleek and they get grazed in the marsh grass. So the first thing that we see in verse 2 is there is these seven beautiful cows come up. But look at verse 3. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them from the Nile, ugly and gaunt. And they stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. Now you can, Pharaoh's dreaming this dream and he sees seven cows coming up and he's going, whoa, those are good looking cows. And then he's, he's oh, those are terrible looking cows. And then look what happened. Then The ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven sleek and fat cows. Then Pharaoh awoke. That's enough to wake anybody up. He said, what happened? What is going on? The the bad ones ate up the good ones. That's not a a good dream. He said, you know, that wasn't that good a dream. So he's going to go back to sleep. He fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain came up on a single stalk, plump and good. And then right behind it, then behold, seven ears, thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up after them. So here's what he sees. Seven ears of grain, seven thin ears. So he's got seven good, sort of. And you might say, gosh, this is almost the same thing again. Then, verse 7, then the, the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump and full ears. Pharaoh awoke, and behold it was a dream now when he awoke i like to put it this way he it was a special dream he knew something is going on what does all this mean you know how much of the bible was written when this happened none there's not any written revelation we know that he, before written revelation dreams you know that god used dreams in a lot of different ways Here's a dream that God is giving to Pharaoh to tell him the future. And it's not for Pharaoh's benefit. Whose benefit is it for? Jewish people. It's for his people. He's protecting his people by giving Pharaoh a dream. So watch what happens. Now, in the morning, verse 8, his spirit was troubled, so he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men, and Pharaoh told him his dreams, but there was no one who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh. So in the morning when he woke up, he said, you know, I'm really bothered about this. So he called for his wise men. He called for his magicians. He called for these these ones that are supposed to know something. And he said, listen, I, I had a dream. You need to tell me what it was. I saw these seven good cows and then seven bad cows and seven bad cows. I ate up the seven good cows. And I saw these seven big ears of grain. And then seven came up and ate them. Uh, what do you think this means? And they all went, uh, 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 we don't know. We don't know. Nobody could figure it out. Notice verse 9. Then the chief cupbearer spoke to Pharaoh saying, I would make mention today of my own offenses. In modern terminology, he'd say, I'd like to bring up where I, I realized I'm wrong about something. I'm wrong about something. What's he wrong about? What was he supposed to do? What did Joseph ask him to do? When you get out, go to Pharaoh and say, look, there's a guy up there that told me a dream came true perfectly. We need to get him out of prison because he says he hadn't done anything wrong. But the chief cutler is saying, I'd like to make mention today of my own offenses. I'd like to, I'd like to bring up and remind you, let you know that I've, I've done something wrong. What was it? Well... He said, you know, Pharaoh was furious with his servants. He said there was a time you were really mad, and he put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard, both me and the chief baker. He said there was a time that that Pharaoh was was really mad, and he's talking to Pharaoh in a, a third person. He was saying there was a time when Pharaoh was really mad, and he put me in the guard that you know the captain of the of the bodyguard. He put me you know over there, and 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 the chief baker. So you you know, we did wrong and you put us in there. Well we had a dream on the same night, both of us, he and I, and each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. We had this dream and, and we knew that there, we knew there was something. Because we had dreams we just didn't know what they meant, but we knew there was something. Now there was there was a Hebrew youth. How old is he? Have any idea? He says there's a Hebrew youth. How many years have passed? To. You know how old Joseph is going to be when he gets raised up to power? And it's going to happen here pretty quickly. How old is Joseph going to be, do you know? He's going to be 30 years old. So how old was he when the guys saw him? He was 28 years old. He's a Hebrew youth. That's what they, you know, he said there was, a, there was a young Hebrew. He was with us there, a servant of the captain the bodyguard. And we related to him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. In fact, we told him we had these dreams, and he said, oh, I, tell me the dream. I, I can tell you. I can tell you. And so we told him, and he interpreted the dreams for us. To each one, he interpreted according to his own dream. He told me what my dream was about. He told me what, uh, you know, the chief baker's dream was about. Just and just as he interpreted for us, so what happened? He restored me in my office, but he hanged him. He probably went ahead and told Pharaoh. My dream was that this, and and he told me that you'd restore me, and that's exactly what you did. You restored me. The other one said he was going to die, and the birds were going to eat off the top of his head. That's exactly what happened. This guy could tell what the dreams meant. They came true, just like he said. Well, what is Pharaoh going to think? What's Pharaoh's problem right now? I got a dream. I can't. Nobody can figure it out. He's saying I know a Hebrew guy that told us our dreams, and they came through perfectly. So uh, he must have some ability to interpret dreams. Where did he get this ability? Where, where, where would Pharaoh think he might get this ability from? Maybe he thinks that he's just one of those people that can know that kind of thing, or maybe one of the gods or something somewhere has given him this ability. I mean, because when you talk about Pharaoh, uh, who who was a god to Pharaoh? Hmm? Well, uh, Pharaoh was a god. He was a god to himself. Any other gods? The sun was a god. Nile River was a god. Frogs were gods. Bugs were gods. Beetles were gods. Lightning was gods. I mean, all of that, see? So... There were a lot of gods, and so he may have thought, okay, there's some Hebrew guy out there that has ability from one of the gods to tell what the future is, to tell what these dreams are. So what is he going to do? Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph, and they hurriedly brought him out of the dungeon. When he had shaped himself and changed his clothes, he came to Pharaoh. Now let me ask you a question. What, what did Joseph think when they came to him and said, Pharaoh wants to see you? Oh, oh, shave. Have you ever noticed pictures of Egyptians? They have beards? Oh. They don't like facial hair. Joseph, what do you think what Joseph was doing down there? He'd probably looking like Abraham, right? Okay. And they said, shave, because you don't want to offend the Pharaoh when you go in his presence. Clean yourself up. What did he think possibly could happen? Two things. They were going to kill him. Or that maybe, maybe somebody remembered him. Maybe something's come to pass here. See, he's getting cleaned up, he may have thought, they're not going to kill me. I mean, surely they're not going to tell me to clean up and kill me, I mean, right? You know, Who knows? so here's what happened verse 15 pharaoh said to joseph i have had a dream but no one can interpret it and i've heard about i've heard it said about you that when you hear a dream you can interpret it now that's a pretty logical statement isn't it i, I had this dream I, nobody can interpret it, but i've heard that you can that you can interpret the dreams what's joseph going to say what do you think what would that say we might say yeah yeah i'm pretty good at dreams i've i'm i'm like four for four so far you know uh, on dreams, so i 'm doing real good on them, but what does Joseph say? Joseph then answered Pharaoh, saying, "It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer and see it 's not me but God. Joseph never takes credit for the things God uses him to do. never takes credit. Even when you think about all the dreams that that he's seen, he had the dreams where the sheaths fell down in front of him and the sun and the moon bowed down before him and all of these different things have happened and he's interpreted them all. And instead of him saying, yeah, I'm I'm pretty good at dreams, he said, it's not me, it's God. God is the one who does it. He gets the glory. Joseph makes it very clear that God is the one who does it, it's not himself. That he's just the instrument. One of the things I think we've got to realize that this is a great truth: we are just instruments. We're just the instruments that God uses. Let me ask you something: if you if you if you got to teach a Bible study, if you help people with crafts, if you lead somebody to Christ, if you Somebody comes and asks you a Bible question, and you can answer it. If you get to do any of that, that, you can't say, look what I did. All you can say is, God is so great. He used me. He let me get to be the one to do that. It was God through us. And when, you know, I have the privilege of getting to teach a lot. I mean, I do Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I mean, I get to do it a lot. But it's God who gets all the glory. It's God. I get to be used by God. That's how I really look at it. The truth in our lives. We're just instruments. God gets all the glory. What is Joseph saying? It's not me. God will give Pharaoh the answer. Notice, God will give Pharaoh, and look at, notice this, a favorable answer. That's verse 16. A favorable answer. Let me ask you something. Does Joseph know the dream yet? How's he going to know it's a favorable answer? God may have already told Joseph it's going to turn out fine. Just tell him it's going to be a good answer. Who knows? Because you know what? The, um, The baker didn't have a favorable answer, right? God gets all the glory. You know what we are? We're just ambassadors. We're just instruments. We get to give him all the glory. In 1 Corinthians, I think I've got that verse up there, 6, 19 and 20. What do you not know? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit is in you. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. We, we're not even our own. When we wake up in the mornings, what should we say? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do today? If we look at our lives and we should be saying, what encounters do you have for me today? Who's going to come into the store? Who's going to come into the house? Who am I going to see on the street? Who am I going to see at the church? Who am I going to see over here? Who am I going to work with? Who am I going to see in class? Who Who are we going to see that God's going to use us to touch for Jesus Christ? I read a statement the other day it says, Christ offered himself for our sins so that we could offer ourselves for his service. It is a great truth. Joseph didn't try to do any bargaining with Pharaoh. He didn't say, Well, you know, I'll give you the answer if you'll get if you'll if you won't send me back to that prison, I'll give you the answer. He didn't do any bargaining at all. All he says is it's not me, but God will give you the answer. So watch what happened. So Pharaoh spoke to Joseph. He said, look, in my dream, behold, I was standing on the bank of the Nile. Okay. And behold, seven cows, fat and sleek, came up out of the Nile, and they grazed in the marsh grass. I mean, they they looked good. Lo, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gone. Truthfully, such as I have never seen for ugliness in all the land of Egypt. (laughs) He's saying, you know, I'm Pharaoh, and we only got good stuff here. That's the worst cows I ever saw. I don't think – do not even sure those were Egyptian cows because I've never seen anything that ugly and that horrible looking. Yet, and he says in verse 20, and, and the lean and ugly cows ate up the first seven fat cows. You know what he's thinking? That's got to mean something. That's got to mean something. But here's the part that's really weird. Notice. And yet when they had devoured them, it could not be detected that they had devoured them, for they were just as ugly as before. Then I woke. What do you think if if these thin cows ate big old fat cows? What would happen to the thin cows? They'd get fatter, but it looked like nothing helped them at all. I mean, there's a point to this, you know? You know what it's going to be later on? He's going to say, when the famine comes, we're not going to remember the blessing. We're going to have great years. And then when the famine comes, we won't even remember the good years. So I woke up. I woke up. But there's more. Then then also, also in my dream, and behold, there were seven ears full, and good came up on a single stalk. That's a lot. And lo, seven ears withered thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up after them, and the thin ears swallowed the seven good ears. Then I told it to magicians, but there was none who could explain it to me. He said that was my dream. I had—I mean, the dream there were seven—seven good cows, seven thin cows, seven thin cows ate up the seven good cows. Seven—you know—ears and, and then seven thin ones, and they ate them up. And nobody knows the answer. This is not new to Joseph. He's been having dreams and dealing with dreams for a long time. Does anybody know how old he was when he was taken off? 17. 17. 13 years that passed. He had dreams before he was 17. Because you remember he told his brothers. And they were all mad about the fact that he had these dreams that the, his their, his stock was up and everybody else was down. And and told his daddy about the sun and the moon and everything bowing down to him. That was before he ever got thrown into the hole and shipped off. So he's been having these dreams maybe since he was 12, 13, 14, 15. Who knows? He's now 30 years old. And Pharaoh tells him a dream. And and. I think he's ready. And uh, watch what he says in verse 25. And I put it up here for you. The dreams are the same. They both mean the same thing. He had back-to-back dreams. He said they both mean the same thing. Notice what he said. Joseph said to Pharaoh, "Pharaoh Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told Pharaoh what he's about to do. Now notice, God has told Pharaoh. He says, Pharaoh, God, what God? The, The sun God? The Nile River? Pharaoh's son, who one day will be a god, a beetle that's been crawling on the ground, one of the frogs jumping around, the God, he says, the God of Israel has told Pharaoh what's about to happen. Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has told to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Who's in control? The God of Israel is in control. Listen, when we see the plagues years later, and we will do the plagues, by the way. When we finish the book of Genesis, you can't stop there because uh, they're, you know, that's not a good way to end. You've you got to go ahead and get, get them out of Egypt, okay, because we have to get back. So we'll, we'll go in we're going to see the plagues. Every plague is a judgment on one of the gods of Egypt. Every plague from the river turning to blood. To the darkness? What what, what was the God that, that they judged in darkness? The sun God. So it's powerful. So here's what he says. He says, God has told to Pharaoh what he, God, is about to do. God's doing. He says, now, the seven good cows are seven years. And the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one and the same. So the seven good ears, the seven good cows, they're actually representing seven years. Seven good years. They're the same thing. Now notice, he says, and the seven lean years and the seven ugly, uh, the, the seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years and the seven thin ears scorched by the east wind will be seven years of famine. So there's going to be good years and years of famine. That's what he's really saying. Notice, seven good years followed by seven bad years. Then he says this. It is as I have spoken to Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Once again, this is from God, this is to Pharaoh, and this is what God is going to do. Could you say, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be amazing if God came to us, to you, and said, I'm God, I'm talking to you. And this is what I'm going to do. Would you be excited about that? You'd probably be scared. Well, he's done that. He put it in a book. Hadn't he already told you everything he's going to do? Didn't he give you in written revelation what he's going to do? Is he coming back? Isn't he coming in the clouds? Is there going to be a tribulation? Is he coming back as the king? Is he going to rule for a thousand years? Will there be a great white throne judgment? I mean, is there going to be a judgment seat of Christ? I mean, hadn't he told us these things? You know, he's actually said, here's what I'm about to do. I put it in, a, and I didn't just tell you because you might go, was that a dream? He said, no, I actually wrote it down for you so you don't even have to guess about it. You can look at it a number of times to make sure you're right. So we thought, well, this is amazing. God's telling Pharaoh what he's about to do. He's told us what he's going to do in written form. That's why Peter says that he saw Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw him. He said, I saw him as the king, but we have something better than what I saw. We have the written revelation, which is better than experience. Anytime people tell you, I experienced it, I know what I experienced. I said, look, something's better than experiencing. Because your experiences can be wrong. You can think you saw something that you didn't. You can think you did something that you didn't. You, think, you can think you heard something that you didn't. Your experiences can be wrong. Your experiences have to match the Scripture, not the Scripture match your experiences. There's a whole bunch of Christians out there that they live their whole Christian life off their experiences, not the Scripture. It's got to go back to the Scripture. Notice. He says, I have, as I, verse 28, this is, I've spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown to Pharaoh what he's about to do. And now he's going to explain it. He said, Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming all over the land of Egypt. And then after that, seven years of famine will come. And all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine will ravage the land. It's going to be forgotten because when those seven little old skinny cows ate up the big cows, you couldn't tell there ever was any big cows. Because it's going to be forgotten. That's what he's saying. So the abundance will be unknown in the land because of the supplement famine, for it will be very severe. Now I like this next thing. Now as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is determined by God and God will bring, will quickly bring it about. Four times he's told Joseph that this is from God. And he said, now the reason he did it twice is because he just you to know this is for sure. This is for sure it's going to happen, and it's going to happen quickly. What's going to happen quickly? What are they going to have first? Seven years of what? Abundance. followed immediately by seven years of, and the famine is going to be so bad, nobody's going to remember the good. Why is he doing this? Why is he warning Egypt? Why didn't he warn his own people? Why didn't he go and say, listen, there's going to be a famine, so here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to Stack up some food for the family. Because how many of them is there? How many Jewish people are there? When they go in, there's going to be, what, 70, 72, 70, 75 at the most? They go into Egypt as 75 people. They come out as 2 million. They go in as a family. They come out as a nation. God preserves the nation in Egypt saves them from the Canaanites, and saves them from the famine, all in Egypt. It's so amazing. He said, Now, as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is determined by God, and God will bring it about quickly. Now, here's, here's what we need to do. Joseph is going to give some advice, okay? And he says, Find a wise man to oversee the land. Now, I want you to think about this. When you read it, it says, Now, let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Do you think that Joseph was thinking of himself there? Do you think Joseph thought, uh, now, Pharaoh, what you need to do is pick out a wise a wise man? I don't think he ever had any inkling. I mean, he, if you would have said to him, do you think Pharaoh would take a Jewish slave and raise him up to a big place of responsibility in the land? What would be the answer? Of course not. First of all, I'm not an Egyptian. I'm a slave. He cares nothing about me. Only thing I've ever done for him is tell him the meaning of the dream. And I said that was God who did it, not me. So he said, "Let Pharaoh look for a wise, a man discerning and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt." Now, here's what we, heres what the best thing to do is this. He said, let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers in charge of the land and let them exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. In other words, as the years come in, just take some out and store it up. Let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store the grain up for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority and let them guard it. In other words, let's put all this food, Pharaoh, you get your soldiers, you get your guards, and you put it in the city and you keep it there. Let the food become as reserved for the land for the seven years of famine which will occur in the land of Egypt so that the land will not perish during the famine. Why is it so important that the Egyptians do not perish in the famine? Because that's where the Jewish people are going to be. That's the plan. He's going to bring them down there. So, God not only gives Joseph the interpretation of the dream, but wisdom in dealing with the coming famine. He said, "Just get, let, a, let a really wise man pick out, and, and as these seven years of, of abundance come, uh, take you know t- some percentage of that and and, and and store it back, and then when the famine comes, it' will be food for people to eat so that, we, so that we won't die. Take from the abundance, save it for the famine. Do you think that's a pretty good principle on every paycheck? Take from that abundant check that you have and do what with it? Save a little bit? One of the Proverbs says, The wise man saves, but the foolish man spends all he has. One of the principles from the Bible is that when you get money or when you get anything, you give some away and you save some and then you use wisely the rest. Give, save, spend. There's going to come a day, very quickly, that this is going to come about. Because Joseph said, the reason you got the dream twice is because God is determined he's going to do it quickly. We're going to stop there. Because you know, verse 37 says, Now the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. This is a good idea. This actually makes sense. This makes sense. I wonder... I wonder who, who could I, who could I get? Where could I find such a wise and discerning person to put in charge of this whole program, this government program that we're going to do? You came up with the idea? You're going to be the man. That's what's going to happen. Let me ask you something. What do you think the chances are? That a Hebrew slave is going to be number two in Egypt. Pretty much no chance. But with men, things that are impossible, they're only possible with God. What are the chances that God would take you, dead in trespasses and sins, and raise you up to be a great instrument for him? You could say, I don't think there's much chance of that. But that's what exactly what he's doing. He's taken every one of us who are dead in sin, and he's made us alive. And he says, I will use you for my glory. And you could say, what are the chances of that? Well, actually, they're pretty good because <laughs> that's what he said he was going to do. Next time. We'll see Pharaoh's response. We'll see God raises up Joseph at the right. He's at the right time, at the right place, and, and ready for this uh, uh, the blessing there. He's going to preserve the nation. He interprets Pharaoh's dreams, and, and he's going to become... Second only to Pharaoh before it's over. There's going to be seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. And Joseph said, here's how we're going to provide so that there will be food in the land. As he says, it. so the land will not perish during the famine. Let me give you some applications. First one is, trust God in the circumstances of life. That's it. He's in control. He's working out the events. If you look at Joseph's life up to this point in time, it has not been very good for the last 13 years. It's not been good at all. In fact, it's been terrible. Hated by his brothers, sold into slavery, placed into prison, forgotten. But God was using Joseph. And God put Joseph at the right place at the right time. And he's going to raise him up. And he does the same thing for us. We have to trust him in the events of our life. Sometimes things don't look good, but he provides, he protects. He puts us in the right place at the right time. How do we respond when things go wrong? Realize the sovereignty and providence of God. Trust him. He's working. He's in control. Number two. Let's be used as God's instruments. I mean, let's do it. Let's, let's do it. God used Joseph to interpret the dreams and talked about the famine and protected the nation. God uses us. What does he say? He, we're his instruments. Jesus said, you're, you know, you're the light. You're the light. You're the salt and the light. We're supposed to be faithful to take the message. Think about this. Most people, I don't mean this bad, most people in our community do not understand the grace message of salvation. They do not. Am I, am I accurate on that? When you talk to people, do they understand it's faith alone and Christ alone plus nothing? They do not, do they? What do they think it is? It's some kind of repent of this or walk down this or give your life for this or be willing to serve this or do, this. it's some kind of messed up message. You got it right. You got it clearly from the scripture. We have to be the ones to go and clearly give that message to people. We need to be faithful. There's a little girl that was in graduate assistant and, and not at OSU but somewhere else. And she said that she found out that she's the only believer in, she's a graduate assistant in her department. And she said people actually make fun of her. But then she thought, but. Just think, I I am the salt and the light. I mean, I'm the only one that knows the truth, and I have to be the instrument. If you ever had somebody come up to you and say, I'm the only Christian in my whole group, you should be going, well, great. Who do you think God put there? One of the Gallup polls, which is about eight years ago, estimated 50 million people in the United States claimed to be born again fifty million. Here's the question. Why come we're not making that much difference? Some have said, well, because we're biblically illiterate, we don't even know what the Bible says, and some say we're just disobedient. They did a survey that said eleven percent of the believers read their Bibles. Eleven percent read their Bibles. What does that mean? Eighty nine percent does what? Does not read their Bibles. Now we didn't say study the Bible. We said read it. I mean Reading is just the start before you can study, right? It's hard to study if you don't read it. Think about our church. Do you think more than 11% of the people connected with this church read their Bibles? I do. I think we got a lot of people who study the Bible not just read it. Are we standing for what's right? Are we standing for Jesus Christ? Do you know, I had a person in my office, this is several years ago, but I've never forgotten it. This person said to me, it's a person who was in our church, they're no longer in our church, but they said to me, there are times that we must reject what the teach, the scripture teaches. They told me that. Because what they wanted to do was contrary to what the scripture said. And of course the famous line is, God wants me to be what? Happy. And I said, well, this is what the scripture says. There are times when you must reject what the scripture says. That's what the person said to me. I didn't. I didn't agree with that, by the way. Okay. <laughs> God's plan is to use each of us as His instrument, based on the gifts, talents, and abilities that you have, and and just remember. I think I've got another slide. Yeah. Remember, only in God's power can we serve Him. That's it. It's God's power through us. Is our life counting for Him? Joseph said, it's not me, but it's God. And always, everything we do, who gets the glory? I mean, let's say you get to teach something and somebody comes up to you and says, great job. You can say thank you, but you should say, it's the grace of God all the way. Cause it is. Because first of all, let's say you did a great job of teaching. Who gave you the gift? Who gave you the power? Who gave you the word of God? I mean, who put you in this? Everything comes from God. So you can never, we can never take any credit. All we can say is, I just want to be faithful. That's the only credit you can take. When you get there and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, you go, gosh, I didn't really know. I didn't think I was that faithful, to be honest. You know, right? Right? That's how we think about it. May we trust God in the circumstances of our lives. Being faithful to be instruments as salt and light in our community. Let's pray. we've got questions, comments, we'll, we'll do it. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you, Lord, as we watch how you are there and you're working in Joseph's life. And even in the midst of things that look terrible and don't look like they're going to turn out right, you're working right there. You put him in the right place at the right time. Lord, we see the dreams to Pharaoh in which you're you're you are revealing to a pagan nation what you're about to do so that you can save your people, save them from the Canaanites, Save them from the famine Because we know that through that people group Our Savior Jesus Christ will come Thank you Lord for what you do Thank you for that you work in our lives We thank you Lord that we have the privilege To be your instruments May we trust you and rest in you And be used by you So that we can hear you say Well done good and faithful servant Thank you Lord in Jesus name we pray Amen Okay questions comments anything Any input or anything Oh yeah Gary I know it. it's like when God, God was, said okay I've got my people now they can get out Egypt your I, I you know what's amazing is he had one pharaoh ready to take the people in he had another pharaoh just ready to get rid of them when time came you know because you remember the bible says at the start of of, of Exodus there arose a pharaoh who did not know who Joseph so new Pharaoh came up. He didn't notice Joseph. He didn't know these Jewish people in that way. He didn't know what had happened. didn't care about it, knowing what happened. And there's a lot of, of of speculation because you'd think if it was Pharaoh's son who came after. But most believe it wasn't Pharaoh's son, that it was another dynasty, another group who came in and took over. That's one of the reasons when the Jewish people began to populate, he says something like the Pharaoh says, we've got to put these people in subjection lest they rise up against our enemies and take us over. So there's some speculation that that new Pharaoh wasn't even part of the dynasty of the Pharaoh that was there when Joseph came in. So there's all kind of speculation there. But you're exactly right. He, he that This Pharaoh was open. And when you get to the other Pharaoh, he's not open at all. Not open at all. And that's how God's going to use that Pharaoh. As he says in the book of Romans, God raised up Pharaoh so that he might demonstrate his power. So that's amazing we got the greatest God of all time, right? Probably created everything. Probably runs everything. What do you think? Knows everything. The greatest. What else? Questions, input, anything? Oh, yeah, Randy. What I think... Yeah, right. Um, he, he We're not sure what he was speaking then. He, was, he could have had an interpreter because we're going to see later on that Joseph learns Egyptian. And when his brothers come, Joseph speaks through an interpreter, actually, like he doesn't understand his brothers. Um, he knew he was a Hebrew, and he knew that the Jewish people had a God, the God of the Hebrews. And so somehow I think that the way Joseph probably said it was God. God, my God, the God will tell you, and I think Joseph, you know, just acted like, hey, there's really only one God, you know. So I think he thought, okay, the God of the Hebrews is going to tell me. That's the best way I look can look at it.